song. We're not going to go through all of it today. If you know anything about Bible trivia or scripture, you know Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of scripture. Uh, totaling a number, let me just look. How many verses? 176 verses. I guarantee nobody wants me to take all 176 at this point, right, Steve? All right. See, he and I are in agreement. It doesn't matter what they think, right? You know. Uh, you don't want all 176 preached on at one time. So we're going to take it almost uh, a couple sections at a time in our summer of Psalms as I continue to. Uh, pray through what happens come fall, which is unfortunately or fortunately just around the corner. You know, um, people like you only have another two weeks in your back end. I'm sorry. I know. Where did the month go, right? And, and uh, uh, teens, Jordan, you got about a month and then you start the final year, right? Are you surprised it's your final year or did you start the Month. You don't know. Are you awake? Okay. You know, as um, we, we move forward in this year, that does seem to have gone uh, quite quickly. And, and, you know, that reminds me the world seems to be passing very quickly. You know, uh, some days it's real quick, and other days it seems like it's never going to get over. And there's lots that happen in our world, some good, some not as good. And it's a reminder that we need to be grounded. And what I mean by grounded is not just a time out, though some of you may need a time out, right? Are you planning a time out, or has he been out of good behavior recently, Kathy? He's been pretty good? All right. But see, sometimes I bet Larry wants to have a timeout where he gets grounded to his room, never to see anybody, and it's just in the TV, right? Amen, you know. But, but grounded isn't in this idea of being a timeout. Though that may be necessary for some of us, but being grounded is having the centeredness, this foundation that you just, you know that regardless of what is going on, you are okay in the moment. And, and that's a wonderful thing. Because all of us can easily get distracted by lots of things. Lots of even <clears throat> good things. But we need to be grounded in what is important. And here, at the heart of all of Scripture, almost right in the middle of our Scripture, the longest chapter in all of Scripture, we See the psalmist saying there is a place where you can be grounded, that you need to be grounded in, and that is in God's Word. There you will find a centering that makes sense of everything else around us. We live in a world that, uh, you know, uh, has said for many years now, follow your hearts. Unfortunately, though, following our heart isn't always healthy and beneficial. We need something even better. We live in a world that to some extent is asking this question, how can we be blessed? How can I, get, how can I live the blessed and the best life? What does that look like? 
And there are many advances out there, some of them contradictory. Doesn't matter what religion you talk about, they're talking about being blessed by a God. Even those who say they have no religion, there's an idea of this is the way that life makes sense. We call it a worldview. And we want to know how can we live a good life? What does that look like? And if there is a way to live it, what is that life? Something very practical, something true. And, and I'm going to submit to you the psalmist, Psalm 119, teaches us what it means and it answers the question, how can we be blessed? What does a blessed life, a good life, a right life look like? And we've got to remember this, that God's word will produce true life. Anything can give life for a time period. It doesn't mean it's always true and good and it will always be there and ground you and be that foundation. But true life, I, I, you know, I quote many of times the words of Jesus in John uh, chapter 10, I believe it is, where he says, I, I come that you may have life, we know what it says, and abundantly, I like to say, life as it was meant to live. Because it isn't, God's word doesn't produce an abundant life as we would understand abundance. In fact, the psalmist here uh, in Psalm 119, we're going to read some of these that, you know what, their life isn't going well at times for them. Life isn't rosy for them. That's why at least one individual has called Psalm 119 the longest psalm of lament. Or kind of this warning, it's not complaining, but this idea that, that things aren't okay and I need God to intervene in life. That's the idea of lamenting, is understanding uh, that life isn't okay. And as Christians, if we're going to follow God's word, we need to understand it isn't always a upward trajectory. And so all of a sudden we're either in glory or we no longer have any issues in this world. That is not going to be the case. In fact, that's not true life. That's a life given in some way. And he starts with saying, Blessed are those whose ways are ways who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their hearts. They do no wrong but follow his ways. Of course, then he goes on to say in verse 5, Oh, that my, my, my life, my ways were steadfast and obeyed your decrees. It's an understanding that though God's word produces life, we're not going to always live by that. Except he gives us some insight on how we can try. To be grounded in the world takes intentionality. One of the great things about this psalm, there are 22 different what we would call stanzas or verses. One for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now you see how many letters in the English alphabet? 26. There you go. What's a trick question? Okay, that would be like us writing a song with 26 stanzas, one for each letter of our alphabets. Not only does he do that, which is pretty amazing, 
Each beginning line of every stanza has the letter that corresponds with the alphabet letter that he's on. So uh, it would be like 26 stanzas, and if we had three lines in each of our stanza, we would start in every line at the beginning with the A, and then B. Now, he isn't just trying, we don't just have this artistic mastery here, but I think there was a purpose. And it was the idea that this person was very intentional on trying to get his point across, not just if you read it, but if we understand that most of the Old Testament, most of the times people would have interacted with Scripture with not reading as we know reading, would have been hearing it. Orally, it was given to them, it was recited. Auditory, and you would get this A, 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 B, 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 C, C, C. And you get the mastery of what's going on here. This mastery that in the spoken word that we lose in any kind of translation. That the, father, the people of God, as they would have heard this song, or portions of this song recited. They would have picked up that this writer is wanting them to be intentional with obeying the word of God. Rhythm. Time and time again, we read in this psalm law of the Lord, statutes, precepts, decrees, commands, laws. Eight different words the psalmist used interchangeably and with equal kind of uh, uh, frequency. So when you heard this, you were hearing that he is intentional about the complete word of God. From the written word that they would have had to the experiential of looking out in all of creation knowing God's deeds have been proclaimed from the very beginning of time. He's saying, blessed is the one who walks according to that law and seeks him. To be grounded in the world means we have to be intentional. How many times in my life and in your life do we just kind of float by the day? When you really don't even notice what has happened or not happened. Where you kind of exist, but you do not live. I know of many people in our world who exist every single day. They, they breathe in, they go about a rhythm, but they really aren't living because they don't notice much of anything going on. And the same can be true with us. If we're not careful, we will go around in our faith, but we will never be intentional about looking for how the Word of God is intersecting life. Or even looking into the Word of God. It's pretty simple to forget. Except on Sunday mornings if you're here, then it's right there. But, but many times we can go throughout the day and never even have a word of scripture. 
rewards. That's why the, the psalmist says this in verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart. And I think we need to see this. We must bury God's word deep. It's not just hiding as if we're playing a game of hide and seek and we hope we find it or it finds us. I believe as I kind of tried to uh, framework, what, what is he saying here in verse 11? It's this idea of burying something so that its purpose may become known. You know, in, in, in the world of uh, Israel of those days, in the culture, but very similar today, farmers bury the seed. Do you not, Mark? Don't you bury the seed? Why? Why don't you just throw it on the top of the dirt and let it go? Why are you laughing at me like that? I don't know. I don't know. But what would that, if you just did that, what would happen? Nothing. Nothing. That's, do what? Birds would eat it. You know, nothing. Those of you who have gardens, you don't just kind of throw it out there and hope the seed takes. You kind of have to let it go deep so its roots will go. Have you done that with the word of God? We're burying it deep so we can produce something. Jesus had a parable, a story about some of this. My concern, and it's not just my concern, but it's the concern of, of others, that we as the church in this moment, we've not been burying the scripture deep enough in life. We've been, we've been kind of just letting it sit at the surface and hope something happens. And instead, what we need to do is be intentional about actually letting it go deep into the soil of who we are. So that it will produce something. And this is why, you know, I know some of you may notice, you may not, but we have a Bible trivia every week before uh, the countdown. So roughly about uh, six, seven minutes before 10 o'clock, 9.54, 9.53. Those of you watching at home, you can clue in them too. Or you, you can get some tr trivia knowledge. You know, but it's not just learning facts to be learning of facts. But it's burying God's word as the psalmist goes on to say that I might not sin against you. Against the Lord. See, when you bury God's word deep, you will become aware of how to mess up. Many of us don't want that. But yet we need that so we understand. If you want to have an impact and influence in other people's life, let the word of God get very deep. How do you do that? Just uh, how do you do it? Well, I've already said, you know, you got to be intentional. Can you set five minutes aside? Just, just to truly be a part. I, I provide every week on the back, not that this is the best, and some of you, you know, you, you have others. But, you know, read these verses and consider what's on the back. And those of you online are on fbcstparis.com slash devotion or faith life group, where you intentionally are interacting with Scripture in a way. Maybe it's to be a part of a, a small group. We, we, we have some of those, but we can do more. What does that look like? You know, where you're learning from one another. You're, you're challenged by one another. It's not that we 
trying to give you this information and, and it becomes just this uh, learn the, the, these things and fill it up, but think through these things. You know, youth group. That's why we do youth group. Well, that's why I teach the way I teach in youth group. It's less, as you team probably know, and you know, straight up boys probably remember, hopefully. You know, it's less about me telling you the right answer than getting you to think through what it is going on. Figuring is going, how does this work through this complexity of life where things aren't always clear cut? And I think we see in this psalm and we see in life that neglect isn't always intentional. We, I think as a church, generally speaking, not our church as much maybe, we unintentionally have neglected God's we preach it, we teach it, but we have relegated it to a Bible study here or a Sunday morning here instead of a way of life. This is where the psalmist will say over and over again, I hid in your word, I will meditate on your precepts, I will consider your ways. Neglect to some extent is just forgetting what is helping. And why do we have this struggle? Because we have the struggle within us and within our world as far as what is the ultimate goal of life? What is the purpose of life? Is it life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness? To some extent, yes, but no. Is it just to love others? Yes and no. The ultimate goal the psalmist will say, and I think all of scripture is to live the life that God intends for us. Not the life I intend or you or our world around, but the life God intends. Then we will be blessed. Then we will have a path. Path that leads to life and life everlasting. When our teenagers were going to do share events that they transitioned into something else recently, one of the things that they talked about time and time again wasn't that life with Jesus is just someday when we get to heaven. That's important. We have a future, but life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. The Christian life isn't just one day we get to heaven. The Christian life says, today I can be different, I can live as God intends so that I'm practicing so one day I will get it fully. Yet many of us, we unintentionally sin against God because we've never hit the word deep enough that it produces a fruit. We're looking for someone else to dictate how we live or not. We're, we're expecting other people to live as if they know the scripture when we never lived out the scripture for them or talk to them. I can't expect someone who doesn't know Jesus to truly live the life God intended for them. 
or they don't know him. But that's the beauty of those of us who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior. We can do this because we've been given the Holy Spirit. It's this book, this Bible, isn't just a manual to be consulted when life is not good. You can do that, but most of the time, if that is our view of Scripture, then we will we will actually try to remember when life isn't good to go here. But you only go to the things you know when life isn't good. You don't pick up something new, typically. So life will get interesting, I guarantee you. You will not always be steadfast in obeying the words of God. But yet, when life is interesting, if you've taken the time to bury this deep, you will reap it when you need it. Isaiah, in one of my favorite verses that deal with Scripture, says that as the snow, my paraphrase, as the snow and rain falls and always accomplishes something before it returns, so it is with the Word of the Lord. See, if we are intentional with this, not just reading it to gain knowledge, but reading it to see the Creator behind it, and then we are willing to do the really hard task of trying to live it out, life will be different. Life will be a blessed life. No, not because it will always be upwards. You know, I wish I could, you know, tell you that if, if, if you just obey the word of God to your best of your ability, you always gain health physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, but that's not the case. Because, see, that wasn't the life we were intended for, was to live for those things. Important things. But not the end all be all of things. We were created for something greater. We were created in the image of God. To live and to relate. First and foremost to our creator and then to one another. We have a job to do. All things our kids learned this week. Even when it doesn't make sense. I mean, my task this week to teach preschoolers. So we had a ages three through five in that class. You know, I was to teach them the ascension. Have think, so those of you who've been in church long enough, you know the ascension, but uh, as I told the kids, there's a lot of us adults who don't quite get the purpose of that, right? We know it's important, but it seems like, uh, how do you teach that? Maybe Ron should do a class on the ascension. Just get us all straight on the ascension. Am I thinking too highly of you, Ron? Yes. The last I checked in seminaries, they don't have one whole class on the ascension, probably for good reason. You know. In fact, in my, my studies in pre seminary, I don't remember many lessons on the ascension. I don't know why. It's a tough one. But here's what I told them everything in Scripture is there for a reason, even if we don't understand it. One of the purposes of the ascension is this. Jesus promised somebody else was coming that was going to be just like him. 
The Holy Spirit cannot come if Jesus is around. Because they are the same. I'm dumbing it down pretty, pretty hard, I know. And you know what? If Jesus is physically present on earth, here's what we know. He was fully God, but he was also fully human. He couldn't be at two places at once. Because of the physical nature of who he is. But if he is gone, then Chad, you can have the Holy Spirit in. And you walk past Ken, so can you. And Roseanne, you can have the Holy Spirit in you. And Greg, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And George, same with you. Alicia, you have the Holy Spirit. And, and you got you have the Holy Spirit, and I have the Holy Spirit. He's not bound any longer by this body. No wonder he said in his final promise, no, I'm with you always to the very end. Now go. Make disciples, teaching them to obey all my commands and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can't make disciples who make disciples if we've not intentionally cultivated the Word of God. And Psalm 119 over the next couple of weeks will help us do that. As it will say later on, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need light. And we can look for many light in many ways in good deeds, in relationships, in organizations, in community, all good things. But we must let the Word of God be the light that illuminates all other things. Is this an easy task? No. Some of you, as I will, will have hard decisions to make where there doesn't seem to be any good answer. The question is, is, does this word, known as the scriptures, known as the Bible, known as the word of God, known as the story of God, whatever word you want to change with that, does it get to be the foundation of your life? As you, if you do the devotions that I've laid out, for us this week, Jesus talked about the storms of life. Two individuals, one that will build it upon the foundation of not just God's word, but trying to live out God's word. And those that just do it on something else. The storms come to both, but only one stands for both. And that is the one who is grounded in so as I close, I just want to give you maybe two ways of being grounded this week. One, read the Bible in some way. Two, listen to the Bible in some way. Maybe it's audibly, you find it online, maybe you have someone read it to you, maybe you read it to someone else, or you just read it out loud. Hear the word of God. Just do those two things, and you're starting to become grounded into this ultimate life that God intends. For we were created in His image to love Him 
to love others as he has loved us. And then we will do what Jesus said. We will be the light of the world. We will illuminate the path for others. It starts with me and you. We pray with me. Father God, I thank you for this time. As we try to worship you through your word. Lord, I ask that you would help us to bury your word deep. Not in a sense of trying to hide it so no one sees it, but bury it in such a way as the farmer buries the seed, as the gardener buries the seed, so that life may spring forth, that we would do the same. And so may we be intentional just this week, as we, somewhere maybe there's less burdens ahead of us on us, less pressures, that we would do so so that we may gain, as scripture says, the words of life. Jesus himself. And so Lord, just be with us this week. May we read your word, may we listen to your word, and may we start to try to live your word as hard as that may be. And when we do that, we know whatever may come, we have an anchor for our soul. That anchor is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And so we thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.